Hello and welcome to One for the Road with me, Sober Dave. Each week I'll be talking to some incredible guests and I hope by hearing each episode they will offer you a valuable source of inspiration and insight. From incredible life stories to a variety of important subjects, all to help you with your quest to change your relationship with alcohol. All of my guests are at different points in their journeys and each of them have powerful and uplifting stories and information to share. I hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to subscribe and of course, leave a review. Hello and welcome back to another episode of One for the Road. And before I introduce this week's guest, I want to congratulate everyone who has just finished doing Dry January. I hope all my lives helped you. And if you're looking for any more support, you can head over to my website, soberdave.co.uk. So this week's guest is Matt Busbridge, who is a male model agent and has been doing that for around 12 years. Matt started drinking when he was about 17 as it gave him the confidence and a whole new lease of life because he struggled and still does with low confidence. He reckons it all stems from when he used to be quite a big lad and that hasn't really left him since. He also started taking drugs at the age of 22 and the drug of his choice was cocaine. He took drugs all the way into his 30s and it was pretty much a weekly occurrence with him and with these actions he often self-sabotaged but also it was a form of self-medicating. He went sober last January and he didn't attend AA, he just mainly listened to podcasts. Matt is doing really well now and hopes that by sharing his story, it will help others to look at their relationship with drugs and alcohol. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Morning, Matt. Welcome to my podcast, One for the Road. It's a joy to have you on, mate. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for bringing me on as well, mate. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like the, the golden ticket. Do you know what I mean? Like with sobriety, because you're obviously someone that I've followed since I've gone sober. You and Dapper were the main two that I was listening to continuously. And I didn't really do the AA meetings and stuff like that. I just went cold turkey. So podcasts were like the inspiration for me, um, sort of going forward with this and learning a lot about it and people's stories and, yeah, it was a sort of more, I found your podcast relatable because it was just like normal everyday people. And obviously Dapper was like a bit of a lad himself. So it was, yeah. um, I'm yeah, seeing him just, tomorrow actually doing a, a yeah, thing. So am I. Oh, are you there tomorrow? Yeah, I'm there tomorrow, mate. So I'll be limbering up. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Getting ready. <laughs> Probably be blowing up my ass after five minutes, but you know, it's all for charity. Yeah, it is, mate. And by the time this is aired, it would have been over and done with. So we, exactly. we can it after. That's good. I'll get to meet you, mate. But <clears> yeah, I've read your um, bio and that. It's an interesting story. And part of the reason I've got you on is because you're a young lad. You might not think so, but to me, you are. And um, it's interesting to hear from different age groups. So um, it'd be good. You're 34. Um, you're a male model agent. Uh, been doing that around 12 years. Um, but I'd like to wind it back before that and talk about what it's like for you growing up and all that. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, my childhood um, was, yeah, quite a normal childhood, to be honest, mate. Um I had a mum that cotton walled us and still does to this day. She was always there, sort of like looking after us. My dad, 
I know, dear blesser. Um, but yeah, my old man, he yeah was a sound bloke. He they weren't like drinker drinkers, but I think me and my dad were very similar in, in the, the sort of the aspect of how we drink. Um, like my dad could sit there and drink four beers in an hour. Do you know what I mean? And think nothing of it. Like this, the speed in which we drink. And I don't yeah. think, and I think that is very much sort of my criteria when it comes to drinking. It was never for the taste. It was more just to the, the whole sort of the end goal was to get drunk and get fucked. Mm. It was never like, Oh, this is a nice glass of wine. I'm enjoying that. But anyway, so yeah, my childhood was, was, was great, mate. It was, um, I didn't really start drinking till I was about 17, but I think, more so i was quite a big lad uh throughout my teenage years some call it puppy fat you know at that point i didn't see it as puppy fat i was just this, this large kid who um you know lucky enough got into playing rugby and enjoyed playing sports and i think that also really helped with my development at school because i was going from like one group to another group to another group i could be with the chavs or i could go and hang out with the grandeurs or do you know what i mean it's sort of i was a bit of a social butterfly yeah um but I think drink came into it sort of around 17 like when I was in sixth form and we used to go to like these clubs where you could get in if you was under 18. I think it was like an old, like they call it the genre indie. And it was, um, you'd go there and the bounce would just ask you like, what's your three favorite indie bands? And you just have to reel them off. And then, oh, then really? in. so yeah, it was Christy. Um, so drinking started sort of around 17. Um, and that was mainly just sort of like Friday nights. And it wasn't like a continual thing, but it was a new buzz. It was just like Lisa life. And, you know, when I started losing my weight and it was just like, I've got this and I've got this confidence and I, you know, I was going in the clubs and talking to girls and it was, it was, yeah, like it was a drug basically, but it was like a, a, a real high that I really mm. enjoyed. Mm. Um, and then obviously sort of started from doing that. And then I went into university. I went to a local uni cause I'm from Kent. There's um, a university called the university of the creative arts. So I went there and did fashion promotion um and did that for three years really sort of enjoyed didn't really want to work in fashion afterwards didn't really like the idea and it was it just felt not very me if that makes sense mm. um but then sort of coming out of university um it was one of the sort of situations where it's just like you've got to use what you got so i've got a degree in in this criteria of sort of like fashion and i'll need to put it to use <laughs> so i then saw a job going as a junior booker um in a model agency went for it and then yeah sort of 12 years later still doing it mate so um it's a great job mate um what was it like at uni because a lot of people talk about the drinking uh yeah uni was was like fine i sort of uh, sort of cut a long story short i tried and errored a couple of different universities so i went and lived in portsmouth and i was literally there for two weeks and then my girlfriend at the time come and saw me and it was like, oh, I can't be without you. I need to come back. And so I left Portsmouth, went to Canterbury, tried that uni, didn't work. Um, and then I ended up just going to a local university. So I was still living at home. So that idea of like being out and about was a bit different for me because, I, I, you know what I mean? I didn't really have that whole like social aspect because yeah. I wasn't living with random people. But yeah, going out, mate, there was always student nights. I think my drinking really did take off during that and – there was a bar at the uni, as there is most, and the times when I would just go off on my own when I was meant to be going to lessons, and I would just go and sit and like smash a load of pints. Do you know what I mean? Like the middle of the day. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like because you could, because it was yeah. like you know, it just felt like you was like this adult and you can make your own choices and stuff. But yeah, turn up to lessons like fucked. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just like not going to lessons and not going to you know sort of 
seeing your, your tutors and stuff like that because you was hanging out your ass or do you know what I mean? It just alcohol was always um top of the agenda. Education was like down there and it was just like, you know, I wanna have fun. Fuck like fuck, fuck the system. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just like I don't want to be doing that. But yeah, it was just like that was my go to and that was the fun part of the uni was like the student nights and doing this, that and the other. It wasn't actually coming out with a good degree. You know, fortunately enough, I came out of a shit degree, but I got a good job. So you know, yeah. I'm not a very good banner to be flying for the universities. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was um it was very much like that. And I think that's when I kind of um didn't dabble because obviously the cost of drugs and stuff. But I, I remember it, I think it was like my 21st, 22nd birthday. And um someone bought like a bag of gear with them and we went to like one of the local clubs. And mate, you just I can't describe that feeling of doing it for the first time. It was just like you just felt like I just felt on top of the world. And I, all I did all I did was like one line. And it was, and that did me for the whole night, but it was just, and then it was like, Oh, what's this fucking drug? Like, I want a bit more of that, a bit more of that. Do you know what I mean? It was, um, it was like the tipping point for me, mate. So, um, yeah, that's where Coke then became quite an, an ally of alcohol because they became best friends. You know, the weird thing is, and I don't know why, maybe it's the people that I mix with. I don't know, <laughs> but I never, ever got into that. Like, mm. um, it, and I know people that did. I remember, being in the all bar one in Sutton, right, and and these people kept going to the toilet and coming back and like rubbing their noses and like licking their yeah. gums and whatever, and it's like <laughs> oh hello, but it didn't really. I don't know what it was. Maybe I'm just old school, or maybe I was afraid of it because I knew where booze took me. I could. I've I learned over the years to think. Do you know what? I can drink this amount, and it, mm. it was quite stable with how I felt. But once. I was in this situation that um, I took half a ecstasy tablet, right? And I thought, mm-hmm. and it was around people's houses and that. And I sat there and I thought, ah, it's not doing anything. And that, so I took another one and I don't remember a lot more. But yeah. I remember this girl in a corner was like dancing around. Oh, this waterfall is amazing. It's beautiful. And then she literally flipped out and was saying, oh my God, there's frogs all over me. And, she she mm-hmm. completely tripped, right? Mm. I, and after that, I don't remember anything. But when I woke up in the same chair in the morning, there were about 10 cans of lager around me that I'd just opened, but I'd left and then opened another one, opened another one. But after that, I was I was so badly depressed for about mm. two weeks, like literally the most depressed I've been ever. Mm. Mm. And I just said, I'm never, ever touching drugs ever again. So I, I kind of stayed to the booze, do you know what I mean? But I know it's yeah. a big thing. In, yeah. um, it was, I think with, I don't know, like because of the speed that I used to drink, mate, it was, it's like as if I like validated, like taking the gear. It was just like I used to drink to a certain point and it was like, cool, I've had, I've had six beers now. Like, I think it's all right if I go and pick a bag up. Like, I feel like sort of that's, that's the allowed thing to do. But it was such a dumb way of looking at things because I didn't like feeling drunk. I didn't like feeling like disorderly and like out of it. And, um, the gear kind of just like leveled me up. I think that's, that's the main reason why I used to take it was because. I used to want to sort of still be with it and still be able to have a conversation with people and not come across like sort of stumbling around. And do you know mm. what I mean? I just, I just found that and booze, I think booze made me more like aggressive. Um, and it was just like, I think the gear sort of like leveled me out and I could still have like a full on conversation with someone. And, but 
it's it's not so much like it wasn't so much the the, the taking it was the, the effect i think it's the aftermath mate i think that's that's the biggest fuck up and that's where the demons would come and you'd be like sort of sitting there on your own because i went for a period as well so i'm cutting back and forth with my stories but um I, I used to enjoy taking drugs home with me. Like that was what, that's where it got. Like I would happily, like I was at a bit at a party and it would be sort of like having a couple of conversations with people and someone would be like, you got any gear on you? And I'd be like, no, 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 no. It's, you know, it's all gone, mate. I'm really sorry. Knowing for a while, I had like two bags on me. But that feeling that I used to get being like, oh, I'm going to go home in a minute and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to put some music on and might write a bit, a bit of poetry you, it just ended up with me watching like five hours worth of Pornhub for that. <laughs> just like sit there. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, it was such a weird thing, but I, it was that, that addiction. And then that, and that was like my safety bubble. Like I loved it. I loved coming home and like, you know, racking up a line, get a beer, sit there. And that was my excitement was not so much even socializing people. I became a bit more of a hermit. The more I started taking it, it was like more, I didn't want to be seen out with people. I felt like it was more comfortable for me to be in my own surroundings and not have anyone judge me. And, you know, if I want to go and rack a big slug up, I'm going to do it. If I want to do it, like, do you know what I mean? It was just such a weird, like, idea. And I remember when I used to sort of stay when I was living with my parents for a bit and, you know, you're just doing lines downstairs while they're upstairs in bed. And just that sort of that notion that when they used to, my dad used to get up for work and see me sprawled out on the sofa of like a can of lager next to me and like an empty packet, but like crumbs of cocaine, all that. It's like so fucking disrespectful. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not even my place, but that's the selfish nature that I would get into. Like I didn't give a fuck. I didn't care. Like even like with relationships, friendships, it was tunnel vision. I you know, be out with friends, but my tunnel vision was I've got to make sure that I pick this gear up and I'm going to walk the ends of the earth. If he tells me it's a 30 minute walk, I'm going to fucking get a, a, a proper step on and get there. Do you know what I mean? It didn't bother me. You know, imagine if someone's saying, Oh, can you come and meet me for 30 minutes for a loaf of bread? You'd be like, no mate, no, you're good. You can bring it to me. Do you know what I mean? But it's just like, that's, that's the mad thing that it had such a hold and does for a lot of people that you'll go miles to get that stuff, jumping random people's cars. Do you know what I mean? Like, waiting it's like waiting for a girlfriend to text you back as soon as you put that that order in and that wait and they're like yeah give it an hour and it's like checking your phone checking your phone then you can't even have conversations with people because you're 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 visualizing your phone all the time and you're, mm. you know there was times when i used to go into bars and if my phone was running on low i used to make sure that I used to be like, oh, can you put my phone on charge? Because my sister's about to have a baby and I need oh to make sure God. that my phone... Do you know what I mean? Like, making stories up. So it's all would... behaviour, isn't it? It's uh, behaviour yeah. of an addict, isn't it? And like, mm. I, I, I don't relate to the drug side, but like the going home in that I did, because when you say the comfort blanket, I used to visualise this big velvet, like, pod that mm. I would step into... Um, and I, I would, uh, the more I drank, the more the door would close. And yeah. then it would just go zoom, like that. And that's when I was really drunk. And mm. it was like sanctuary, like little soft lights in there, amazing music. And I was like tripping on that. But that, the aftermath of that was just horrendous for me. You know, like, mm. what were your come downs the next day? Like, because you'd only just started this job, really, didn't you? Like, well, I worked it out earlier that you was probably there a year or so when you started like getting yeah. stuck into this. So was that part of it, like the buzz of the job or? 
Yeah, I mean, the thing was, <clears throat> I, like, being uptown anyway, sort of working in Kent, coming from sort of, you know, the nice little town, and then going into the big city and meeting all these, like, eccentric characters and being surrounded by, like, you know, there was fucking brands that I would only dream of working with, and you're working with them, and <clears throat> you've got all these beautiful people walking around, and it's all, like, superficial, do you know what I mean? Because the more time I've been there, I always say to people, it's like working in a, a chocolate factory, do you know what I mean? Like, people are like, well, you're surrounded by beautiful women all the time, but I was like, yeah, but you work in a chocolate factory, you get bored of the taste of chocolate, do you know what I mean? And that's the, how my job is, I'm just so used to it now. But yeah, it was, it was a mad transition for me. And <clears throat> obviously at the start, you want to be seen at the parties. You know, you've got these free events, you've got free alcohol and it's, it's, it was continual. Like I, when I, <clears throat> when I was working up there, I would deliberately like make a plan for the week. Like, you know, me and my mate would make sure that we'd go to all these parties because it was like free food, free drink. That's your dinner sorted. That's your drinks done. Do you know what I mean? And you, and it's cost you fuck all. So. It was it was fun. I, I really did enjoy it. But yeah, also at the same time, very damaging. I remember when I was working up there and living up there, when I was living in Walthamstow for a couple of years. And it, it just, it was like three times a week, mate. And like you're burning the candle at each end. And like, I remember the email I sent you, like we used to do this like Monday club and like deliberately get fucked on a monday like that was that was the thing that like, we just all get to the pub after work and it was just like cool so we're just gonna get some packet in get fucked that's like, just start of your week do you know what i mean if you're doing it at the start of the week what's the rest of the week gonna be like do you know what i mean it's just like such a weird mindset to have and with the job as well it's, i think you know the, the whole reason why i started my podcast is because i think it's really important for people in the arts to sort of be able to talk about these things because it's a, it's an industry from an outsider looking in that can sort of be deemed as quite a dark industry like if you don't know a lot about it and you see what you see on the tv or the media and stuff like that you know it can be like that and it was very sort of sex drugs and rock and roll and at the first sort of few years of doing it i i, I really felt that i felt like it was like keeping up you know, whether that was traveling for work when I used to go to like Milan and Paris for show seasons and stuff. But it was like, I'll treat like it was a holiday. Like I was like trying to get numbers of Parisian drug dealers or Milanese drug dealers and, you know, going out for dinner for people and then waiting like to go for walk for like two hours and trying to pick up gear from a random, like you don't know anyone. Do you know what I mean? It was so dumb, but missing flights. Like I did that so many times, mate. Like, you know, I remember when I was meant to be going to Amsterdam. And I was, there's a, a club in London called The Box. And I was in there till four in the morning, just like, no fucks given. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just like, I don't know. It was just, it became such a norm for me to get like really like messed up before flights. Do you know what I mean? Staying up all night. Like there's times and times when I've just been like, I'll just get on the bag tonight. Me and my housemate just sitting there doing bumps of gear with each other, sort of like until my, my cab comes and picks me up and, you know, sitting in Stansted Airport trying to, devour a whopper in your hand and you you know people just staring at you and you just look like a fucking golem do you know what i mean it was just like it was i, I was to, even thinking about it now like baffling baffling how that i was like you know i'm quite an intelligent bloke but stuff i was doing like with well, the, the you know where's the intelligence in that like you know i'm just wondering just, there's like a rebellion to something because you know you said when you was at uni and you've missed class sit on your own yeah i mean that's not like at your age then, normal drinking of like, come on, this will get on it lunchtime and forget a lesson. It's like, there's something there, isn't there, that 
is the rebellion about um, yeah. the commitment, real life's responsibilities, isn't it? And that's what stands out to me. Mm, I think I've always had this like punk rebellious streak sort of with authority and not that I'm a bad man, do you know what I mean? But it's, I'm very much sort of like, I don't like being told what to do and it's kind of in my own time. Um, but I also think it's a level of like loneliness, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like I think even now with the sobriety and stuff, I still get this elements of loneliness and it's something that I'm working on. And I think even speaking to a mate the other day, like with the whole drugs and alcohol, it really feels that, that we kind of had a cheat code. It's like when you get a, a game and you type in a code and then you, you sort of jump like, I don't know, a certain forward in the game and you skip certain yeah. things. I kind of feel like when I started drinking and taking drugs, for my confidence and self-love, it's like my body didn't train itself to do that. It's like as if we've skipped. So we went straight into drugs and alcohol and that was the cheat code, right? If you take this, you're going to feel amazing. You're going to feel sexy. You're going to feel like confident. You can talk to a lot of people. And that's how I, I, why I did it. I think most of the time, because it was a low self-esteem mate. Like, and I've had that for so long and still do now. And, you know, working in the environment I work in, especially at a young age, like when I was in my twenties, like it, it does knock you. Do you know what I mean? Cause you have got these like amazing looking people walking around you doing these amazing things, earning a lot more money than you are, even younger than who and what you are. Um, and so I really feel that that really battered my self-esteem and my confidence and i think that's why it kind of got worse as time went on um because yeah it's, it's hard do you know what i mean like it's hard to be in, in that environment surrounded by that but i think that's why i'm sort of struggling still now even a year on in sobriety because i'm still i am having to learn again because I missed the time before about to love myself, about my self-esteem, about my confidence, you know, and it's, it's, it's getting that muscle memory back, mate. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing yeah, at the moment. It's retraining. Like what sticks out to me as well. You said when you were a kid, mm. you had puppy fat and we label it, but mm. at school you were probably called, called fatty and like, yeah. you know, and like what you said, your mum, Molly coddled you in a lovely way and your dad was a good bloke and that. But if you carry a bit of weight at school and you're up for bullying, mm. that is enough to completely destroy your self-worth. And I, I say that because I was as well. Mm. I was always the podgy kid. You yeah. know? Uh, and I was called Fatty Arbuckle and, you know, had some more cakes today, Dave, and all mm. this stuff. And it just chips and chips and chips and chips away at you, right? And then probably when you go into the industry where it's full of glamorous people and size four models and stunning mm. blokes and that, you can't help compare, can you? No, of course um, not. And I suppose being part of the gang is like when we drink when we're younger to fit in. And you said as well before that you would be the social butterfly. You would flip from one group to the other and shapeshift people mm. please and go please like me because i can drink this and i'm all right and i can have a bit of bag and that and mm. then when you stop drinking and taking drugs you're like standing there naked in the middle of the ice street and you and it's like cool. oh my god like i don't know who i am and i've mm. got to start again but i'm already in this environment i've been in for the last 12 years how am i going to cover that do you know what i mean like yeah. go in one day and you've stopped all that and it's mm. you know there's, I think even with the job, mate, like 
it's you, you've got to be a bit of a social chameleon because you've got to, you know, I've got individuals from different walks of life, whether it's upper class, lower class, different cultures, they're from different countries, different nationalities. <clears throat> so you, you continuously happen to reshape who you are continuously to sort of meet the requirements and, yeah. you know, put people at ease a lot of the time, you know, which is it's understandable. Like you need to be able to be that way and, and to do this job. Do you know what I mean? Because I always tell people that my job is glamorous as it sounds, but I'm just a glorified salesman. Do you know what I mean? That's I've got a product that I have to sell. Um, so yeah, I, I do feel that that then in Tao does it has affected me a lot because I've, I've, it's like, who the fuck am I? You know, who who is Matt? Who is who, like? The, and that's why I feel that the fat Matt is still me because the jump we've had like this section of life where we've jumped. Yeah. And we've not really uh, sorted it. We've Developed not really because you, yeah. you've numbed it out for all that time. And I understand that because I talk about the inner child, right? Like when I stopped drinking, which was 40 years, mm. I almost went back to the 14-year-old standing there just about to take my first can. Mm. And it was like, oh, my God. Like I was so fragile back then. You know, I wasn't a fighter, Matt. Like mm. all the lads, I was at a really – like rough school and part of their crack was going to the school around the corner at lunchtime and at picking a fight outside the school gates. And I hated it. I hated violence. I would get like convulsions at the thought of God, I've got to like show that I can have a fight in front of all these yobos and that. And I, I, it just made my life a nightmare. So when we went up the shops and they said, have a beer, Dave. And I had it. And all of a sudden, it gave me wings. And it's like, and then I started making them laugh. And it's like, I don't have to fight anymore because this is my role in the group. You know, this is who my identity is. I'm Dave, the funny one, and, and the drinker, not the fat kid from school. And I mm. fitted in. But when I stopped drinking, all of a sudden, I went back to being a 14-year-old that was really sensitive, in fact, hypersensitive, um, unconfident, sure. I had loads of issues going on with low self-esteem and that. And this mm. is like, it's not just about stopping drinking. It's about what it leaves you with. But mm. it gives you a platform to rebuild and you've got all those years of life experience that you can grab off to help you along the way. You know, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a mad one, mate. It's a really mad one because even you talking about sort of like your senses and stuff, I, I do honestly feel since going sober, like you do, you become so much more aware of stuff and you feel a lot more. And, you know, even like with my breakup last year, it was like, I never, I, I don't think I've ever felt heartbreak before because I would just numb it out, mate. And that was, you know, it's such a, a weird feeling to have. And, the pain and do you know what I mean? Even like meeting new people, you, you really pick up a vibe straight away. Like you kind of know, do you know what I mean? Like, because I suppose again, you're not masking it up. Like even if he's on a date, like it's just like you, you're actually talking to this person. You're being yourself. Do you know what I mean? And like you're, you're picking up on a lot of things with people. It's, um, it's crazy. It, I want to talk to you about a bit though, leading up to it. So like you're in your twenties and that, and then you're going through all of that. And then hit 30. My son's 30. He's just come back from Thailand. Nice. So we're three weeks out there with the lads and whatever. But he's on quite a, um, a health kick. Didn't drink for a long time. 
I doubt whether he didn't drink in Thailand, but we only had that conversation. <laughs> in fact, he don't know. I saw a little reel there where he picked up a beer. Of course it was AF, but who am I to judge, mate? Like, he, exactly. he's trying to sort it out, you know, and he had six months off and he and he's back down the gym now at R5-6. He's probably back in the health kick, you know. But, you know, and then early 30s, where did you get to with your drinking just before you decided enough was enough? Where I got my drinking. So I would say it was still like very, I don't know, like even being in this, this job where I am at the moment, um, I've been there like two and a half years, um, in this new agency, but it was a case of like, I just, the drinking at lunchtime, mate, like it was still bad and it felt like it was getting worse. Like I would speak to the boys I work with and be like, oh, should we go for a beer at lunch? Mine was never a beer. Like anyone that says they're going for a beer, I was like, fuck off, mate. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to go for a drink. If we're going to go for a drink, go for a drink. Exactly. So yeah, lunch times, I'd go and sink like four beers, go back into the office, like smashed. Do you know what I mean? And then it would be like, I was clucking, clucking so much to like get another beer. And it was sort of like, or I'll give it a couple of hours because that then feels normal. Do you know what I mean? Like it's sort of closer to four o'clock because that's sort of, that's more normal for people. They won't look at me funny and, yeah, you know, going to the office up the top of the road and I'm getting a bag of, you know, beers in and sort of going through the other door into the office and no one saw me do it. Do you know what I mean? It's like this hiding and not like being secretive and stuff like that. It was, that was still a big thing. And I came close to sort of, you know, getting written warnings and stuff because, you know, I was going to client, I went to client lunch once and didn't come back to the office till nearly closing time. And I was smashed. Like then I was in the office and I was going, you know, um, talking about gear and stuff like that. And do you know what I mean? Like, and it was so fucking stupid, mate. And you think like at, in your thirties, you've kind of learned your lesson of not doing that, but it, it really didn't. It just be, it, it, you know, it, it got worse. And then I, I was like knocking about like with, you know, I have people that I was seeing, but they were also into like the party atmosphere and, that again was like a, a little thing that, you know, you're with someone that's an enabler and you're an enabler. And it was just like, that again was pretty fucked. Um, but yeah, it got to a point where I was with my ex and um, I think like the first few months of us being together, like I was still drinking, but it would be like, she would have like a glass of wine and then I would do finish the bottle off. And it was like, oh, should we get another one in? And it's just like, you're just sitting indoors and it's like Wednesday evening and I'm just like sort of nailing a bottle of wine. Do you know what I mean? And I felt bad for her because I feel that she was then trying to drink to keep up with my drinking. And even now I could see that and it was was a shit show, mate. And, you know, there was shit that I did which wasn't right in terms of like, you know, even the early doors of meeting her. It was, she used to wear this ring and it was from an ex. And she said that she had publications. So I'm not going to go into details of that ex, but um, I didn't understand why she was wearing the ring. If it was something that was like that. And me being thinking I was being romantic, I was like, oh, can I have a look at your ring? And then I got it and then I just chucked it. And I was like, you don't need it no more. But like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? That's not your, your duty to be doing that. And like, you know, and just shit like that. So yeah, it's just, it just, it caused issues. And like the only time that we would argue and stuff like that would be when I'd had a drink and it just became a bit of an issue. And we had a massive argument on my, my birthday. So my birthday is on the 3rd of January. Um, so we had a bit of a, a bust up on my birthday. Um, it was just one of these things where we was out and she just said to me, Oh, um, you know, like make sure we don't get into an argument tonight because we was going for dinner with my parents and that got my back up. 
So I was like, well, it's going fine. Like, why would you say that? Like, we're having a perfect day and it's been a lovely night and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, escalated. And then I ended up going to my parents and then, you know what I mean, sort of came back with my towel between my legs the next day. And she'd written a list of like six different occasions where I'd, I'd messed up and where I'd, and where I'd fucked up. Um, and that really hit home, mate. And that really was just like, look, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop altogether from today. It's done. Like, I don't need to be doing it. I don't want to hurt you anymore. I don't want to ruin this relationship. I love you. I don't, you know what I mean? It was, I, I didn't want to lose her, mate. It was, it scared me. Someone that I really cared about and we just got engaged and I just had to pull my socks up and sort my shit out, mate. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it'd been like a reoccurring issue that had been going on. Um, and yeah, I just went cold turkey, just completely stopped because I now label alcohol and drugs as I put these negative equations to it because everything bad that's happened in my life has been due to substances. Mm. Without the substances, I'd be free and breezy, mate. I'd have no problems. I'd be no anxiety, no worrying about if I've said something shitty to someone. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just formed so much shit with that. And I just had to eradicate it. Um, yeah. And to save the relationship, unfortunately it ended anyway, but it was still like, I just wanted to, do you know what I mean? I wanted to show her, but also show myself that I could do that. You know, it's all right doing stuff for people, but you've really got to do it for yourself. Cause if you're doing it for everyone else, you'll get to a certain point and be like, well, actually I don't mind doing it. Do you know what I mean? And I don't why I don't know why I'm trying to sort of, mm. you know, cater to other people. Um, I think what have happened there, if you say that it's over anyway, if you did it for her and it was over, you would have probably got back on it then. Because I thought, I can't even do that right, so I might as well start drinking again. Do you know what I mean? So that's why it's important. And I'm sorry to hear about that, mate, because it, it was that soon after or was... It was kind of, um, no. So I went sober in Jan and we broke up sort of September. Um, but it's one of those things, mate. Like I, I wish all the luck and, you know, she was the catalyst behind me stopping drinking. So at the end of the day, I've got to take me out of to her. And it just, it's one of those things, you know, when people aren't on similar pages with stuff and it just, it just wasn't working and it wasn't, it was, it just was not feeling right. And it got a bit, you know, a bit toxic here and there. And I wasn't perfect. I, I hope, I, I've never been perfect and I never will be perfect, but yeah, it just, it was, it was sad as well. Like, you know, not to get deep, but I felt so present. Mm. And I felt like it was the first time in a relationship where I was so present. So there just wanted to just try and try and try and help and help and help. And, you know, in comparison to past relationships where I would just self-sabotage, Dave, do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, I didn't care. I didn't want to be with that person. So I'm just going to push it to the limit. I'm yeah. going to get fucked. I'm going to go out. I'm not going to answer yeah, my phone. Yeah. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Really hurt people. And I, that's the biggest thing that I'm feeling is that a lot of shame. But, you know, hopefully, you know, even one of my exes started liking my stuff on my Instagram. And I was re- such an arsehole to her, mate. Do you know what I mean? And because... It was during lockdown and drugs and alcohol got really bad for me over lockdown. It was because I needed that escapism, you know, being locked up. In the, I was, those speeches that used to go on with telling us like, oh, this is going to be locked and we're going to open this up on this day. Just like, get, I remember getting upset because the pubs were closed. I, it really affected me and the fact that like, I just felt like my social life had disappeared and 
it was fucked. But yeah, just being in that environment, I like lost my job. I got made redundant. Like it was just a lot of things, mate. And it was so easy just to sort of just get on it and just drink. Do you know what I mean? You could start drinking at midday and there was nothing wrong with it. Do you know what I mean? Because you felt like everyone else was doing it as well. Well, it was almost like a holiday mode, wasn't it? Because like, I've talked about it before. There was that house party out and everyone used to just share like sun lounger videos of drinking wine at midday and say, why not? Might as well, nothing else to do kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? But mm. I think gradually uh, the old mental health started because I was running a big carpet company then. And like, like literally my income stopped dead. Mm. Uh, all the wholesalers shut down. People didn't want you in their houses and hear that. And I was just thinking, what am I going to do? But luckily I was sober then. I gave mm. up a year before. And quite often I think, I wonder how. I would have managed that because it would be getting in my stash that I used to bring in to drink and hide. Mm. Like there was no reason for me to, and, and you would go to the supermarket and there was a, do you remember the queues that would be about a mile yeah. long? One and in, one out and all that stand business. stand there for hours, didn't you? And then I'll be in there putting six litres of vodka and a cabbage on the on the thing. So Jesus. luckily I didn't have to go through that, you know, and, and actually – I was really, really grateful for that because I think my mental health was bad enough in lockdown. You know, mm. I remember being on the phone to the bank thinking, I need to sort this out. And I was in a queue for seven hours. Fucking where, hell. Where everyone else was on the phone. Yeah. And I didn't really get anywhere of it at the end of it as well. And it's like, oh my God, like this is going to absolutely annihilate me, this, because I had a lot of outgoings, you know, and all of a sudden the, the income stopped. No one really knew where it was going did they no. i know a lot of people for me have cut even now they come to me and they say do you know what it started in lockdown um and i mentioned before about people like blowing into a cup pretending mm. it's tea and it's actually got alcohol on it um where they need it you know like mm. lunchtime boozing and whatever but what so when you gave up yeah um how was the first three months for you like, because you was on it a bit, when you? Like this Monday club and then the Coke and everything. How, yeah. how was the first three months? First three months were tough, really, mate. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know what to expect. Um, in my head, sometimes I'd question whether I'd made the right choice. Um yeah, it was just, it was very weird and it felt like very, I was isolated. Like I didn't, I was scared. I didn't want to go out. I, I was scared about what was going to trigger me. I was scared of hanging around with certain people and going to certain places. And it, it was tough, but I think it, it kind of made it a bit easier because my partner at the time, she wasn't a heavy drinker. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of encouraged her to still carry on as normal. So, like, if she wanted a glass of rose over an evening, I'd be like, just do it. Like, it's it's good for me. And I kind of feel that I wanted to find myself into the deep end quite quickly. Be that we went to New York in February and, you know, I didn't drink during that. I, I You know, there was, like, weddings, stag do's, stuff like that. Like, I, you know, I, I wanted to experience it because I love socialising. I love seeing people. And I didn't want to become this like recluse, but it, it honestly felt it was just fucking lonely, mate. And it was boring. I was bored. I was just like, you know, even sort of after work drinks or just socializing with people doing that. And 
your brain has to go into like a different outlook. You have to start sort of figuring out what other shit you can do that can sort of bide your time and like, you know, give you that fix or sort of like make you happy. And I, yeah, just even whether it was like fitness, whether it was going for a walk, but yeah, I just felt fucking boring, Dave. I didn't feel, I didn't, and it was like this, I had these so many emotions going on and I, I stuff that I've not experienced before because obviously I've just pushed it all to the back of my head. Um, but I started going to counseling, but that was tough because it was basically through work and it was a free counseling sessions and stuff. But each time I was going back to it, I had a different counselor. So it was having to retell your fucking story. And I kind of wanted to do it more so not to help with the sobriety, really. I wanted to get to the point as like why I was a heavy drinker and why I drink to the speed in which I was drinking. And I didn't really get anywhere with that, but. Yeah, it was just, it was uh, just weird, very weird for me. And, but so proud of myself that I was doing it. Like, you know, I've got the I am sober app and it would send me like updates of like how many days, months, blah, blah, blah. And it was great posting that and just getting some love, mate. I think that's all I really wanted was to feel encapsulated with like love and like, like people proud of me or, and it was very sort of external validation. You know, I talk about this a lot, but. I even, I, I've suffered with that a lot when I was doing gear and like now I'm off the gear and I was, I'm still trying to find that validation from other people that I'm doing a good job, that I should be respected, that, you know, even with the projects that I'm doing with the podcasts and stuff, it's like, it, it needs to stop at some point. And I need to sit back and feel very proud of myself and where I've come and what I've achieved. And I think that's the biggest difficulty is feeling, you know, feeling content in something and feeling that you're on a right journey and that you're getting somewhere and you don't care what anyone else is saying and you're doing this for you. This is the first time I'm doing shit for me. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, it's been a journey, mate. And it's only been a year, but it was hard. Like I say to people, it's not just, it, you don't just wave your wand and you know, you become sober and everything's cushy and, and like life's great and everyone loves you and you love yourself um there's a lot of finding a lot of shit about yourself there's a lot of dark deep bits that you get involved with and you know you you really have to pull yourself out of there because it's just you that can do that and it's a it's a mental battle yeah 100 mate i totally agree with that but were you on your level of self-esteem now because you talk about external validation and everyone's mm. saying proud of you mm. what level of one to ten are you proud of you five that's all right yeah, so it's it's getting there. It's midway, but I'm just. Uh, do you know what? I feel that I I need to be doing something else. I feel that a lot of my life now, Dave, is a lot of resemblance of my old life, like with the job, with the traveling up to London, with the going to certain places. That like I feel that it still resembles that old map. Like even the flat that I live in. You know, when I wasn't living there, when I was with my missus or my ex. My sister was living here and then after everything happened and I moved back in here, it's been very weird for me because I can remember sitting in this room here dabbing cocaine off the floor because I'd run out and trying to get crumbs of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, There's a lot of memories here and I just feel like I just need, feels like everything needs to be a bit of a fresh start. I feel like whether that's career-wise, whether it's yeah. doing so, do you know what I mean? I'm in that kind of mindset at the moment and I think yeah. that's... Well, that's the beginning, mate, because like when I I look at mine, five years, right? Every single year was different for me. I used to say mm. to people, year two is different from year one, year three, year four, year five. And now 
I'm in a much different place now that I'm starting to ask different questions than I was last year. And mm. it's all, I call it an adventure, an experience. Do you know what I mean? And sure. it's like for you, you're a young bloke. You're on a five with your self-esteem. And I think you're doing brilliantly, mate. I really Thank do. You. And you're a role model for the younger people as well to actually stand up and go, do you know what I ain't doing it anymore? And mm. to stick by it now. And, and you've got a podcast out. We can talk about that a bit later. But, mm. you know, you're mixing in with people from this kind of alignment of the sober community in that. And uh, in a way, you've done it on your own as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't always the best way because you can feel really lonely. And But look, you've stuck with it because I no doubt you probably got a lot of stick from certain mates in that. Um, was there, there much resistance for you giving up? Um, no. I mean, there's, there might be like the odd one that sort of made comments and stuff, but like fuck them do you know what I mean that's the way I looked at it because but they I probably like, knew that as well do you know what I mean so like if you was a bit of a pushover they might have put the thumb screws on but they probably knew the reaction and, and the energy you gave off was probably look this is what I'm doing I don't care what you think and this Oof. is where I'm going do you know what I mean I think it's like holding a mirror up to some people do you know what I mean I think oh, people I'm don't just... like to be reminded and they see that someone's doing everyone loves a failure do you know what I mean? Like they don't like seeing people sort of coming out and like becoming like positive and have positive energy and like doing well and stuff. But honestly, mate, everyone's been so supportive of it all. And even with my friends, like they just do lovely things. Like if we go around for dinner or they're like, do you mind if I have a drink? Do you mind if, but no, no, I don't, I, I love that at the same time. I hate it because I don't want it to be a thing. Like Matt's here. So we need to be careful about what we're, we're doing or what, do you know what I mean? I want everyone to be like relaxed and just carry on with your fucking lives. Like if you ain't got a problem with it, you know, I love seeing people out and about drinking or having a buzz and, not, and just enjoying themselves. Like that gets me happy. Do you know what I mean? Like I love it. I love seeing people that can hold their drink and haven't got a problem and can go enjoy it. Like I envy them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's lovely to see. And, you know, if you ain't got a problem, then don't worry about it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like, but I knew that I had one. Like I, I was questioning if I had one, which usually means that you've got, you've got one. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. um, yeah. But it's it's been fantastic, honestly. Like even like just doing like you said, like the podcast is it's like therapy. It's lovely talking to people and it's so nice. The, the whole purpose of doing it was to help people. That's all I want to do is just like help people or, or like help the, inspire people. But I always say to people that come and like sort of message me and they're like, you know, I've got a mate who's got a drink problem, like can he reach out and talk to you? And I sort of say to them, like, I'm not a trained professional. And my journey might not work for them. So just make sure that you give them a heads up about that. But I'm happy to listen. Do you know what I mean? And I'm happy to help where I can. But I'm not this like sobriety guru. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know enough. I'm still early on in my, my journey. And yeah, what works for me might not work for you. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, and you have to protect yourself as well. Because some yeah. people can dump a load of stuff on you and you don't know how to manage it. So it yeah. works both ways, and sometimes you have to pick and choose what what's right for you. You know. So of what's course. your podcast called, mate? It's called High Sobriety. Um, so basically, there's a sort of clothing streetwear brand called High Snobiety. So I was trying to like mix the two, and because obviously I work in fashion, uh, the whole ethos of it is um, sort of speaking to individuals that work within the arts be that fashion, film, music, 
um, because I feel that they are industries that people know about and from an outsider it's sort of like I said earlier it's very party 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 but sort of inside it I don't think people really know people's stories enough do you know what I mean so um yeah it's been going for about two months now I've had a couple of guests on so far um one was a model that I used to look after and one's a musician who I used to also look after um but I've you know I've I've got people like um, I had a girl come on this week called Kate Moss. She's like a fitness instructor, not the Kate Moss. I wish. <laughs> I was going to um, say you played that down a little bit. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no fucking about here, mate. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she's she's not sober, but her dad uh, was an alcoholic. So I thought that was quite an interesting twist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speak to someone that sort of deals with that, but it's been great mate it's been you know fortunately i work in a place where there's a studio so it's been very easy for me to do the filming and stuff like that but it's just like a new lease of life honestly it's just it's been so good for me uh internally and mentally and just speaking to people like you learn about other things and you know there is other people out there struggling or being through it and yeah yeah do you know what i mean like it's just like it's such a nice thing and just to give back like people that watch it the lovely stuff that people say like if people listen and they say like it really helped them out other people say that they've gone to their first ca meetings because they've listened to it and yeah. it's been fantastic mate and i just want it to grow and maybe that's uh kind of an avenue that i would like to go in more like become like a guest speaker talk to people like i think it's uh, there's something in me that just wants to get out and about and help people and just talk do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's been it's been it's been really good for me, really good. Well, I think you're a natural, mate. To be honest, and I think you're at a really good age to be able to do that and inspire younger people. Because, you know, off the back of Dapper's podcast, I've got quite a few younguns coming through, and I can talk to them about my experience and my knowledge as a coach and whatever. But sometimes it needs someone of a similar age to for them to like identify to and relate to as well. So there's space for everyone here. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, I think you'd be brilliant. And, you know, I work with music support as well, which is a charity that helps musicians with addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And they got a a new friends and family support line there, free chat line. And um, quite often a musician had come on, to my podcast and talk about their story as well. And it's, it's, you know, most people come to me and say, I'm in an industry where alcoholism is rife and blah, blah, blah. And I say, that's what everyone says. Cause it's rife everywhere. Yeah. It's absolutely wherever you look, it's rife, And, and it's got to change because I think people now are seeing through it and especially younger generations coming through we can be the example to them like you would be in that actually you don't have to live a life like that anymore. You can change and you can be the example that they need for them, like role models, you know, you doing your job in London and actually missing out the Friday beers and the Monday night clubs, you know, after work club to get smashed and whatever. And you say, no, do you know what? I'm going to the gym or I'm, and you roll up at work looking really healthy and, Mm. And that, and and people look up to you and go, God, you know what? I think I need to have a look at my drinking because all you got to do is plant that little tiny seed. You haven't got to ram it down their neck and go, drinking is the devil and whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you you can actually just plant a seed and make people start to explore their own relationship. And uh, I think you're a perfect person to do that, mate. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that.
really do. I um, yeah, I'd love to do that, and I I think the the engagement and stuff on the podcast is because I just don't want it to feel like a cult, like you were saying earlier. Like some of the stuff you read, and you know I mean, I'll be honest, it's a bit like we're here and you're there, and we're better than you, and like you know, unless you're climbing mountains and taking ice baths, you're a piece of shit. Do you know what I mean? And it's uh-huh. just like, oh, I'm like yeah, oh, and I, I will say I did climb two mountains last year, but that was more for my own. Um, like I'm 60 this year. I can't yeah. believe it, mate. But it was like, I need to do these things on a personal level before I hit that, that age, right? It wasn't, oh, this is what people do. You know, you get a lot of people out there, they're doing marathons, 10 Ks and that. And I say, look, it's not about that. It's about you finding a different way to move forward. Some people knit, some people do evening classes. Mm. No, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how much you drink. If it makes you feel shit, then think about changing it, you know. And life's for living. You take the blinkers off and you look at life in HD, right, Mm. and all of a sudden you see the sky and you see the view in the countryside and that, and you think, do you know what? Even going for a lovely walk on a Sunday afternoon where you'd normally be sitting in the pub getting drunk is a living life, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Just like... Yeah, you just feel stuff. Like even seeing the sun this morning, mate, pink sky. Like it was just like you just appreciate shit. Do you know what I mean? You just you, it's like your senses are just are on one, and that it's just yeah. like like you said, the blinkers are off, and you sort of you're seeing everything and you're feeling everything. And I kind of I love that feeling, but also with it's it's important, like like you do on a day to day. Like you you remind people that it it is it's difficult. The journey is difficult. Do you know what I mean? And it's not easy and everything just doesn't all happen at once. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it takes time and everyone's got their own journey and they need to stick, stick to your own journey and you crack on with it, you know, take little bits of here and that. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, it's like supermarket sweet. Do you know what I mean? You grab a bit, yeah, here, grab a bit of there, but you know, you're on your own journey. And I think it's so important for people to remember that and do your own journey, do your own story. Do you know what I mean? But like be maybe, you know, take advice off certain people. It doesn't mean it's always the right advice. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the most important thing about doing podcast is trying to make it relatable and be honest with people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it, and I think you do that. And you know, there's man, there's a few of them that I do listen to. And it's great. And I think what you do is an amazing thing, mate. And I really do like you help me out. Do you know what I mean? So And do you know what? It's hearing that that you realise how important it is, right? Because I've only met you today. It feels Mm. like I've known you for a long time already. But I just sit here behind my mic, interview Mm. people, and you've heard these interviews, which has helped you, and now you're a year sober. And that's the knock-on effect that these interviews have, isn't it? Where you hear little nuggets out of them that you go, oh, yeah, that's how I feel, or, you know... God, he sounds like me or she does that like I do. Mm. And it's, you know, it's the the long content as well, you know. There are people in the future with your podcast and mine in five mm. years' time that might listen to an episode from back in the day. Yeah. They go, God, I really relate to that, you know. So it's a, it's a brilliant thing to do. Um, and I will start listening to it now, mate. <laughs> so I feel so. guilty. <laughs> what, what's your podcast called? Uh, but no, it's I will fine, do, mate. mate. And uh, I look forward to meeting you tomorrow at the thing. Can't wait. 
And uh, thanks so much for joining me uh, on a Saturday morning. You made me laugh in the beginning, and I will say it. <laughs> no, it feels like I was going on a date. I've done my hair. <laughs> well, I did have to do much to this, part, <laughs> mate. Do you know what I mean? Stuck it out the window. <laughs> oh, it's been a real joy. Uh, appreciate you. you coming on and, and look after yourself. Best of luck for the future, mate. We'll do, mate. Take care of yourself, and thank you so much. All right. Pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For further support, you can buy my book, One for the Road on Amazon, and you can also follow me on Instagram, at Sober Dave. Please remember to join me for next week's episode. Until then, thanks for listening, and have a great week.